Music is here to make heading back to university a breeze this year with their epic special offer. If you're a university student and you sign up for Apple Music now, you'll get the first six months free. Yeah, you heard me right. Six months free. And wait for it, there's a little bit more. You'll also get a free subscription to Apple TV+. Plus. I mean, there's only so many times you can watch Parks and Rec, right? Get busy exploring over 70 million songs, all ad-free. Remember, this offer is for new subscribers only and only available to students. So verification will be required on sign-up. Even better, after your free period is over, your subscription will renew for $29.99 per month, which is a steal. This offer is valid until the 30th of April, 2021. So like, get off the couch and get busy listening. Welcome to Tex Talks. I am Tex, and today I am talking to an internationally recognized choreographer, dancer, b-girl, DJ, and entrepreneur who is a bona fide powerhouse and has grown to be a respected force in the industry. I had the privilege of meeting her around five years ago, just as things were kicking off for her, and it's been one hell of a ride watching her star rise and her career grow right before my very eyes. I am, of course, talking about the incomparable Courtney Paul. Courtney, <laughs> welcome to the show. Hey. How are you doing? <laughs> yeah, it's good to be oh, here. It has been quite a, a journey, man. Five years, my word. So, listen, mm. the last time I saw you, we were doing tequilas at the Spur at Cape Town International Airport, my friend. <laughs> Tequila, it makes me happy. <laughs> a lot has changed yeah, since then. I and I, so, I, sure. I mean, <laughs> yeah, a lot. I mean, I almost don't know where to start with you. Mm. I, I like, I guess, you know, I guess let's talk about your involvement in the Red Bull BC1 mm. finals as the only African B-girl. How's that whole journey been for you? Because from the outside looking in, it's been a hell of a ride. Um, no, it's been great. I think, sure. So the Red Bull BC1 has always been a, a bit of a tricky thing for me because, I mean, I've been breaking for so long. It's been my main, mm. I want to say, love child for as long as I can remember. Um but the BC1 has only had a Beagle category as of two years ago. Um, so when that came into play, I was out of the country at the time, so I had to miss it. Um, and that in itself it was such a problem for me because I finally felt like there was something to validate me, you know? So all this mm -hmm. time I had been kind of just dancing on my own um, and kind of doing something that people had no idea if it existed or if it was valid. Um, so fast forward a year later, I finally get into gear because we're also in lockdown. I got a chance to finally just focus on this dance thing. Um, and it's been crazy. I qualified for the top 32 globally, which is insane because you never know how you even compare, you know, to, to people around the world. Mm -hmm. um, and considering we, like I say, there's no competition here. So you never know how to actually rate yourself. And the next thing you top 32 in the world, it, it's very confusing, you know? Uh, so this BC one for me is just, it feels like I'm coming 360, you know? I think I've, I've danced in about 20 countries, but this feels like the most important moment in my competitive dance career. You know, the pandemic has been very rough on everybody, but the entertainment industry and the arts industry has really suffered. And seeing how 
breaking is still fairly niche in this country. Uh, and, you know, the government's basically forgotten about all the smaller guys. Mm. And I feel like brands like Red Bull have really stepped up to the plate. Mm. How have they helped you realize your dreams? Sure. No, I think they really have stepped up, especially when it comes to dance and especially in this country. Dancers are like the, the forgotten species, you know, um, globally, but more specifically in this country, um, which is crazy because there's not much we do in this country that doesn't involve dance, but it's just never given the time of day, the respect, the budgets that it should, you know. So enter somebody like mm -hmm. Red Bull um, and you're suddenly able to have a career. You're suddenly validated by a global brand. Um you know, whether it's taking you around the country to meet new dancers, to teach workshops, to to compete, whatever it is, it's it's things that you would never be able to do on your own, you know? So I think it's mm. it's played such a major role that even though we haven't been able to throw events or really, you know, be around massive crowds, they've still found a way to to make sure that everybody's still getting a payday at the end of the day, you know, and still getting the right exposure and not kind of just sitting at home because dance is like that. Um we don't have a lot of platforms. We don't have a lot of opportunities. So what happens to the professional dance industry? You know, once we go into a lockdown for a year, year and a half, what are they actually supposed to do? Only so many people can, can teach online. Only so many people can, you know what I mean? So it's, it's a very different ball game. And yeah. I think they've come to the party and just, it's, it's crazy what they've managed to do. And I think for any younger kids that are coming up in the industry, it's also like a bit of a aspirational thing, you know, to, to want to be part of their kind of brand and to know, cool, if I put in the effort, you know, all these hours of training and and the work that I put into my dance, it can actually result in me being part of this team or working with this brand as opposed to, like, I know when I first started, I was just dancing with no kind of, like, I didn't know where it was going to go. I just, I knew I wanted mm -hmm. it to be bigger. Um, and now I think Red Bull kind of gives you like a clear cut path, which is super important. You know, one of my writers at Tex in the City wrote... And I'm quoting here, <laughs> Courtney Paul's CV could wallpaper your home. <laughs> like, can we just take a second to appreciate that you, like you're busy as hell and your hustle game is next level. And I know that there's a lot to unpack here, but, but tell me about your experience of lockdown, because I can't imagine how, you know, you must have gone from being this incredibly busy person to, you know, being inside i mean i know you were working mm. on your dance a lot like i was watching your tiktoks <laughs> <laughs> uh i'm very much like a enjoy life in every moment kind of a person um of course i have my moments where i just want to call it a day i don't want to get out of bed but for the most part um i'm super like just into life you know so when we went into lockdown i tried to find rather the positive than the negative um and literally I started something, for example, called Spare Room Sessions, where I was doing IG Lives once a week um, and I was playing a live DJ set. I had a guest, I was interviewing them. We were previewing some new music, you know, and I had everybody from like Focalistic to Les, Younger, Shekinah. Uh, and then eventually, mm -hmm. like I managed to get a sponsor on that, you know, and I was making money off that for a little bit. Um, and that segued way to almost be on TV at one stage, but I kind of changed my mind and blah, blah, blah. So it really just gave me an opportunity to create again from a place of zero um, with no expectation, with no, like, without being in the box that everybody else places me in. I think my world is so, you either know me as a DJ or you either know me as the Beagle and that's that. And you, nobody's really willing to 
to understand both sides, you know? So lockdown for me was just a time to get back to, to what I want to do and how I want to do it without having to, to show face and, you know, rock up to a gig in a certain way or fight for a certain lineup. I was just doing me. And I think in some crazy weird way, it was like the biggest blessing, you know, obviously look, uh, I'm, I'm not delusional. It was messed up. Like I would have loved to be working all the time. Like I get it. I get it. I get it. Um, but for me, I choose to have a very different outlook um, and just make the most of it. I think I worked more, like so much more last year than I did like the year before, you know, which makes no yeah. sense. It makes zero sense. But I think, again, it's also just the outlook and the way you approach things. So, yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I feel you. I worked harder last year than I've ever worked in my life. Yeah. And I feel like it's the, it's that entrepreneurial spirit. It's that hustle spirit. Mm. It's the people who have worked so hard to build a career for themselves that didn't want to see it all go up in flames. <laughs> so mm. that's probably why we worked the hardest, but another South African artist that I kept my eye on during lockdown, who was doing the most was Shimza and mm. everyone was doing live streams, but then he decided to broadcast performances on channel O, which I thought was genius. And then mm. I saw that you also played one of his lockdown house parties. What was a mm. house party with Shimza like on lockdown? Sure. That, that in itself, like, I mean, for, for, for his team and him to be able to achieve something like that in itself is crazy because Linear mm. TV is not just saying, hey, guys, what concept do you have? Let's make it happen, you know? Um, and then once they did that, suddenly every channel had every DJ playing every hour, you know? So so it kind of <laughs> gave the DJs like a little bit of validation and, and uh, some airtime, which they never really had before. It was always an artist, you know, always a full band and blah, blah, blah. So it was really crazy. I think I remember I woke up that Saturday morning. Um, could have been March or April. Um and we had been in lockdown for a while already, so I hadn't been going anywhere. I wasn't driving my car. So I get ready, I get into the car, and my car is just dead. So I'm like, ah, oh, what a nice reminder, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, so we ended up getting there. The vibe was amazing. Um, and I just had a good time. I think the biggest challenge was trying to find clean music um, <laughs> for TV. Viewer discretion is advised <laughs> but other than that <laughs> the energy was just great i think the reception more than anything was insane you know to just see you trending randomly you know for a dj set people a lot of people didn't even you know i played at the time which still blows my mind but you know we'll take what we can get um so <laughs> so that in itself was crazy and i think they really they opened doors and they just started a whole new like era of things you know because then suddenly, like, I feel like DJs, certain DJs' careers after Lockdown House Party, it just kind of made stars out of everybody, you know? If you look at, like, the Durban Gogos and stuff, like, we initially kind of mm. saw her there. Um, and then from there, I think we all played, like, Get Together Experience, which was SABC1 and Metro. And then next thing, it was just everybody was out of here, you know, which it's, it's crazy. To be able to do that kind of thing for yourself, where you take concept from your bedroom and put it to channel is insane um but then when you're able to take everybody else with you sure you know crazy now now i know that you're a very family orientated person um mm -hmm. because obviously you know i know you but i also follow you on social uh <laughs> and i know you're very close with your mom and with your sisters mm -hmm. but take me back to little courtney growing up in red hill in durban what was that community like that you grew up in sheesh um 
gosh, I don't even want to go there. But <laughs> it was, I suppose, it's <laughs> maybe who I am, you know. Like I say, for me, uh, life is, is, is not something I take for granted. So, and that comes, I guess, with my family, you know. Sometimes I want to just close the door on them. They drive me insane, but I love them, you know. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, when I go home as often as I can, um, when I grew up, I was very much the black sheep. Um, nobody really understood me, except my dad, actually. My dad was very wanted me to play soccer, wanted me to do gymnastics, taking me to training three hours a day. He loved it. I think he always wanted a son, um, but he got me. So I suppose it's the next best thing, you know? So um, growing up was, was a little bit tricky because, I mean, I have two sisters. So there's this preconceived idea of what females are supposed to be and what they're supposed to be into, mm -hmm. the sports they play, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I was a polar opposite. Um, so yeah, growing up, I think it was just always... A little bit confusing um, because nobody really accepted me for me and what I wanted to do and the way I dressed and you know my mom loves to tell a, a story of there was a day we were going to church and she put me in a dress and I just sat and cried I could have been about six or seven <laughs> and I just sat and cried and no. cried and cried um, until somebody changed me and then I was so happy because I knew after church I get to play you know with all the kids after and the dress was limiting me you know um, but fast forward a couple of years, I think I was like 13, uh, my dad passed and it kind of just threw my world into a very different space. Suddenly we all had to forget about the fickle stuff, you know, and, and start actually caring about each other from a genuine place. Um, and once I started dancing, I started dancing very late. Um, nobody understood why or where I was going to go with it and neither did I. Um, because also we'd never seen even a female of color success story in terms of entertainment or dance. Um, Sure. Yeah, except I think like when I think of one female dancer that of color that I ever saw on TV was like Lorsha Cooper on backstage, you know, and even then she mm. was a con oh, yeah, God, I loved you her. know, <laughs> and even then she she was a contemporary dancer. She was classically trained, and here I am, kind of just doing headstands. And my mother's like, "Please stop! Like you're damaging the house. Uh, nobody ever sees. <laughs> we don't see a future in this. Just call it a day, you know." Um, so, yeah, I think then I got my first professional gig around 15 and I realized, oh, so I can make some money off this, you know. Then suddenly I was like, hey, who needs petrol money, you know. <laughs> and then uh, everybody started taking this thing a little bit more serious. Um, but, yeah, I think um, I, I always say that my, my career was never part of the plan. I had no idea it was something that I was going to do, you know. But I, I like to say that I'm somebody that if I enjoy something, I'm just going to go and I'll figure it out on the way you know so <laughs> yeah it's been a journey <laughs> you know okay so i'm i'm many things mm. but i'm i am not a b-girl <laughs> i'm not schooled in the art of breaking okay yeah. so you <laughs> you have to break it down for me like yeah. how do you like what happens when you start dancing like do you have to audition to like get in a crew like like explain <laughs> to me how explain to me how you 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 went from dancing to breaking mm. to like being the Y in the Yo TV sign. Like, explain to me how that works. <laughs> Who told you that? Oh my gosh, I'm trying to run away from that. <laughs> oh, wait, so actually, <laughs> I just had to. I just had to put that in there. Sneaky, sneaky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think they still actually use that. Um, but anyway, story for another day. But that was that was a moment that suddenly my family. 
you know, it was like a big deal. It's like, you don't achieve anything until somebody sees you on TV. You know, then you're, then you're the cool kid. Then it's like, oh yes, we always knew she was going to be a star. I'm like, no, you told me to quit just yesterday. What do you mean? <laughs> you <know? laughs> that's such a, yeah, that's but, such a mother thing to yeah. do. Oh my God. <laughs> so, um, yeah, for me, and again, coming from Durban, I think people really need to understand the space. At my first professional gig, I was dancing in a Bollywood show barefoot. Oh, wow. Right. But this is the first and last we'll ever go there. So with that, um, <laughs> with did, that but came, did you, um, I, like, did you wear, no, okay, no, yeah, we have to, I have no. to ask you this because this is the first and last time you're ever going to talk about it. So did you wear like a traditional Indian outfit? hundred percent. Yes. I was singing in Hindi and everything. <laughs> Courtney, tell me there's a video it, it of this was, somewhere. Look, oh, I suppose I could ask my mother if I really had to. <laughs> she loved it because there was like um, a program that went out, you know, and I was the youngest in the program and I was one of the choreographers. And I think she's probably got it like in a flip file somewhere. <laughs> you know? I will check. I don't know but, your mother, um, but she strikes me. I don't know your mother, but she strikes me as the type of person that will have every clip of everything that you've ever been in, every newspaper yeah. clipping, every magazine article. <laughs> like that's the that's the type of woman that she strikes me as. Yeah, yeah now she definitely is. Um, and most of my grand, like my mother likes the fancy stuff, so she'll keep like the Salborna magazine and the Cosmo. And my grand's uh, got like every mm. daily news, every like. Afrikaans paper, every Zulu paper. I'm like, firstly, you don't even understand what they're even saying about me, but you just saw my face. And you like, she, she keeps, so keeps every little clipping. Um, and it, it just drives me insane. Um, but so how it started for me, like I say, dancing, like any opportunity I could find, Bollywood show, okay, great, I'm going to do what you need me to do, but also can you give me one item, let me choreograph it. I'm going to do some weird flippy thing on the stage. It's going to be great, you know? Um, <laughs> and that's kind of how it started where people were like, oh, there's this girl that does this cool kind of stuff, you know? Um, and with that show, it was a 10, a 10 shows in two weeks at Suncoast Casino. Um, I probably spent more money on petrol getting to and from rehearsal and the gig than I actually earned. But hey, it's school fees, you know? Oh, wow. um, mm -hmm. So it really set me up. Uh, and understanding like, okay, cool. So it's not an age thing. Um, if I wanted to actually achieve working and earning and whatever, I just need to apply myself and maybe knock on the right doors, you know? So from there, I think a couple of years later, I had gotten a little group of dancers. I made sure we had work at every casino, like from Golden Horse in Maritzburg. And it was literally, I was just knocking on doors and just saying, if you can give us an opportunity, you know, I'm going to make this work. Um, but the breaking, again, I always dabbled in it because I had a gymnastics background. So when those movies came out, we're talking the step-ups and the Missy Elliott music videos, all the guys were always doing the very cool things, you know, the backflips, the whatevers. Um, yeah. And I was always just rolling around in my mother's lounge trying to copy it, you know, like, why is there only guys doing this? I'm sure I could do this. Um, and only once I kind of moved to Joburg that I actually get into it. So I've never been part of a crew which in breaking terms is like sin, you know, like you're generally part of a crew, you're part of growth, people can guide you. And, and, and I never really had that. So I was always just training and, and doing whatever I could with what I had, even though I had no idea if what I was doing was even breaking, you know, which is why I say something like BC1, mm -hmm. for example, is crazy for me because for so long I, I was on the short end of the sick, you know, um, 
with not even knowing if what I was doing is that thing. So now for someone to say, oh, you are doing that thing and you're actually not bad, you know, so <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> but like you said that not being a p- part of a crew is like a sin and like unheard of. Did mm. Did anybody ever look at you funny when you entered the industry? Like, oh my God, where did she come from? Yeah, all the time. I feel like my life is that story. Um, for me, I realized quite early on that I'm never going to be the brief. I'm never going to be the stock standard female um, entertainer that like, especially our country needs. If you think of TV, if you think of whether it's DJing, presenting, whatever, everybody has a very specific look. Um, and we're not in a space to kind of to, to open the playing field. The last like female that I can think of if, if we want to go with that like nonsense tomboy term, it was like Sade on mm. Yo! TV. And I could have been like yeah. 11 or 12, you know? Like when last have we had such mm-hmm. a cool personality on air that wasn't in heels and a dress and a very specific image. Um, so again, growing up for me, looking at all that, um, it showed me that if I actually wanted to achieve stuff, it's going to take forever and a hell of a lot of work and a lot of convincing. Um, because again, nobody knows that this thing exists unless you actually give it a chance. You know, so I think my whole life, whether mm. it's been dancing, DJing, whatever, has always been the funny looks, the, you know, because I've, I'm never going to look like anybody else. I remember like last year, two years ago, I, uh, there was this Fortune 500 company, like crazy, crazy stuff. And I was working on the, the end of year. Uh, and for one of the pieces, they were like, we'd love to do, you know, like a company performance, blah, blah, blah. So they set up a meeting with mm-hmm. their GM and all these people. And I walk into the room. <laughs> They could have died. They had no, they, they couldn't understand why I was there dressed the way that I was looking with like piercings all over my face, tattoos down my arms. Like, you know, how could I be worth their time? You know, and all it took was five minutes of, of me to open my mouth and explain what was going on. And it changed. Um, so, so for me, my life is always about put yourself out there, get the judgment, deal with it. And then, you know, people are either for it or against it. Um, and th- there's nothing else I can do about it, you know? You know, I love how open you are on social media about your journey in the industry as well. And and one of the things that I saw you post the other day was when you were first starting out, you were doing this job and how all the other girl dancers had to wear hot pants oh. and you were like, it's track pants yeah. or nothing. <laughs> and and you risked losing the job mm. because you wanted to stick to your, your guns and mm. how you felt. And then eventually the stylist called you and said, yeah, we want to fit you for track pants. And the client came around. Mm. And I love that story because, you know, it, it, it just, it shows to me that by sticking to who you are, you know, you can build a good career. You know, you don't have to feel pressured to fit into a box because, you know, mm. you're, you're worried about not getting the paycheck at the end of the day. But what would you say to people who feel like they can't be themselves because they've, they feel pressured to fit into like a box of sorts. Mm. I think, I think everybody feels it to some degree. I think obviously some more than others. And for me, I would never sit here and act like it's been easy. Um, I think when people are saying, okay, cool, you either have your pride and your authenticity, if you will, or you have food on your table. It's a very Mm. tough decision. You know, it's, it's something that you, Sure, and, and I hope nobody ever has to deal with that kind of thing, you know. But for me, I always just say, if, 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 I can, if I got to lay down at the end of the day and put my head on a pillow and be so miserable and so 
unhappy with the decisions that I had to make that day or the job that I'm doing or whatever, then it's not worth it, you know? Um, so I would rather always do that. And for me, I always just love to tell people, it's not going to be the easiest road. In fact, it's going to be 10 times harder, but it's going to be the most rewarding. Because again, you get to sit down at the end of the day and, and breathe and be okay and smile knowing you're at peace with the decisions you made. That, that gig for me was such a... It was crazy because I was like on my own, you know? Um, nobody stood up for me, nobody... Nobody said, no, Shem, like we understand where she's coming from. And it seems like such a small thing. But for me, my whole life is on the line. You know, this is, it's not just an image. It's not just me saying, I don't want to wear this outfit. You know, it's, it's me saying like, there's something I stand for, especially like, this is my dance style. This is me as a person. It doesn't look right. It doesn't mm. feel, feel right. I can't do it. Like, can you meet me? Can you respect me? Because you, you obviously see the value in, in the, what I'm bringing to the table because I had this whole like solo set out for me. But then why can't you meet me when it's when it's the things that I need from you, you know, which is something as simple as just making sure that I have long pants, you know. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's been a journey. It's still something that I go through all the time. Um, so it, you would think it gets easier. And I think to a degree it kind of does, but it, it starts to change where it's not so black and white mm -hmm. anymore. The lines start to get blurred. Um and I think that's also okay. You know, I'm learning to adapt and, and, I'm, and I'm learning that I'm changing. So something I might be okay with back then, I'm not now. Um, and that's okay. If it makes me difficult, that's okay too. I'm not for everybody. Um, not every opportunity is for me, you know. Uh, and I always just have to have faith and believe that where I'm supposed to end up, then that's exactly where I'm going to be. Um, so when people are, are feeling that way, like feeling pressured, it's going to be difficult. Make the decision and then just stick to your guns. And most importantly, the outlook for me has to change. So everything you approach thereafter needs to be with like a positive outlook as opposed to like, oh no, like they cut me out of this job and now what am I going to do? Everything is gone to, you know, it's in the gutter now. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, it's so, it, it doesn't serve you any good, you know? So for me, that's, that's the most important thing. Make the decision and, and find peace in it. You know, as someone who moved from Joburg, uh, well, as someone who moved from Cape Town mm. to Joburg for two and a half years to further my career, I understand your your move from Durban to Joburg. Compare the two scenes in your industry for me. Like, why why did you move? Like, what what was the the aim behind moving to Johannesburg and not moving to like let's say Cape Town? Mm. I think it's like a it's a double double-edged sword that one for me so at the time I was dancing for Toya DeLazy um, and she she was like the biggest artist in the country at the time we could easily do two countries in a weekend she was so busy it was crazy um, and I was the only one in the team that was based out of Durban um, so that was the other thing is that I knew if I wanted to be I was a swing at the time which is like a substitute so if somebody couldn't make it then they would call me type of thing you know and I, 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 okay. I, I knew that if I wanted to be a solid part of this team and take my career to a different level, I needed to take some risks, you know, because why? And it doesn't make any sense, like just logistically, if, if there's a gig in Joburg, I'm the only one getting flown, um, you know, so that was one thing. The other thing was that I felt I had done like everything there was to do. I had opened for Little Wayne, I'd opened for Fatman Scoop, I had casino contracts, I had performed in the clubs, I had done everybody's Sweet 16 at the ICC, you know? So now I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> what comes next? Um, and I've always just kind of been that person where 
uh, if I achieve something today, I'm like, great, what's next? And I don't know whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, but I just knew I needed a change. Um, I think also in my personal life, in terms of my family, we were all just going through our own crazy things. And I also knew I needed to get out now or, yeah. or, or I, I don't know. I don't know where I see myself landing up, you know? So I took a chance. Um, again, even what I was earning with Toyo was not enough to kind of say like, cool, I'm going to move to Joburg and I'm going to be good. Like it wasn't that at all. Um, but I moved, I made it work. Uh, my mother was very much like, I'll see you in a month. You know, you'll be home soon. Uh, <laughs> and I mean, it's like seven or eight years later. And I'm like, yeah, look at me now. Like, <laughs> you know, um, but in that space, I, I just realized that the longer I stayed, one, there isn't really a dance industry there. I don't consider it like a massive dance industry. And not to knock the place, um, but there is only so much you can do. I think it's a very well-known fact that the industry is in Joburg. Um, if we talk commercial, if we talk artists, whatever, awards, shows, and that's, and that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be part of that bigger picture. Um, so, yeah, I was still studying when I left. Um, and I think within the first two months or so, I was faced with my first like big decision, which was either write my accounting exam on the Friday or leave on the Wednesday before to Sun City to go open the summers, <laughs> you know? Um, oh, wow. Yeah, and I 100%. We all know what you yeah, chose. I definitely <laughs> went to open the summers. <laughs> 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 you know, so so I've always been faced with these, with these decisions where uh, I just, I had to choose what I wanted, even if it was the riskier option, you know? Um, yeah, <laughs> I suppose, I don't know if that answers your question. <laughs> No, 100%. Mm. But up to a point, you're making a living off being a beagle, a choreographer, a dancer. And as a subsequent result of all of the above, you learn how to cut tracks together for mm. performances and routines. And is this how you get involved in DJing? Um, it's crazy for me. I've always I've always realized that when I when I fall into a different space, there's 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 a multitude of things that happen that kind of push me in the direction. So again, at the time working for Toya, her manager was a guy named Anthony Morgan. Um, and he, I think he was working for Sony. He's an American. His accent did wonders for us. You know, it really opened a lot of doors. Uh, <laughs> and, when, and when we would have conversations, he would say to me, you know, why don't you get into DJing? Um, like there's such a gap in the market. There's, there's no, like, there's nobody that we really know, you know, we might have big house DJs or we've got one or two here, but I think it would be insane. It's something you love. It's something you do anyway. Um, and at the time I just happened to get into contact with another DJ, DJ Nifty. Uh, and we were just having conversations and I was just like, cool, I'm actually going to do this. Um, you know, let me see. It wasn't something that I, I saw myself doing professionally, but I, I knew it was something I loved doing. My relationship with music is a very spiritual thing. I grew up listening to absolutely everything and there's nothing that I do today that doesn't involve it. Um, so for me, I knew I'm going to end up with with music either way, but let me see, well, let me find another way to, to love it, to express it, you know, to, to get more involved mm. in the space. And then obviously just from a, a hip hop aspect, it's another pillar of, of, of the culture, you know? So we went to, I picked up DJ Nifty one day, we went to Pretoria uh, to go buy this like secondhand controller. It was like two grand. It was the worst thing I've ever seen. It's probably the size of my laptop. Um, and I was just trying to figure out like, how does this work? Okay, cool. So, you know, this is what this button does. And, and, and 
And it kind of just steamrolled from there, you know. Uh, I, I eventually started playing at a place uh, called Tokyo in Greenside here in Joburg, literally two, three months yes. after. Um, and I think just from there, I realized I loved it. Uh, I realized that people's reactions were quite cool to see as well. Um, and then I, I couldn't find a reason not to actually pursue it professionally. And then towards the end of last year, you dropped your debut mini EP, mm-hmm. Got Next. <laughs> With some mad features Thank from Oskasi <laughs> and Gigi and Manu Worldstar. And each track is very different. Mm. Like doing fine is your hip hop anthem for you is like the commercial banger. Mm. And then fantasy has this very cool like Afro vibe to it. Mm. Is is this a teaser to show the different sides to Courtney that that maybe you're going to be showing us more of? Talk to me about your 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 musical journey and 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 what you've got up your sleeve because I know you got something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think with me, if, if anybody's ever met me, you know that there's I'm I'm quite black and white, but there's also a couple of shades in there that you know that just come out now and again. So for me, that's exactly what the EP was. Um, it was to say, one, don't put me in a box, uh, but two, also there's very clear boxes that I'm going to be playing in, you know, so this constant contradiction. Um, but yeah, so for me, everything funk, everything Afro, everything hip hop, and to a lot of people that might sound like too many things, but for me, it, it's just me. It's the things I enjoy. It's what I dance to. It's what I play. If anybody's ever heard me play a live set, um, that's my sound, you know, and I think I've, I've managed to kind of effortlessly make it all sound like one vibe, like when I'm playing live. I don't want to sound like anybody else. I'm also not going to go just play the top 40, you know. Um, I've got a deep mm. love for old school music. Um, so, yeah, that's where it came from. And it was exactly that. It was a little intro. I mean, my, my latest single, No Other Way, is a little bit more Afro pop, uh, R&B. My next single is straight hip hop. Uh, and the one after that is is pure Afro with a feature from Ghana and and i think zimbabwe or something you know so for me it's just i want to do what i love and and whether people struggle to understand where it all comes from that's also not my business you know (laughs) (laughs) well courtney i just want to say thank you very much for joining me on text talks today i absolutely love talking to you (laughs) and i hope that this won't be the last time that we do this i hope so too i mean also i mean five years in the running i don't see you getting rid of me anytime soon anyway so we're good (laughs) thank you so much for having me Fell in love with that real type body No other way, don't want anybody Pretty and a baddie sent her phone my charge If I did you wrong, then you know I'm sorry Rolling on the blunt, then we levitate Ice up in my cup, then you wanna taste Let me slide up on you, please don't hesitate I'ma pull up on you, baby, no delay Spend my time with you like it's do or die Won't you ride, hop up on my suicide You and I, mama, see you and I You and I, my babies, are you and I Baby, yeah, I'm too alive Bring the vibe with you when you come inside Multiply, baby, we can multiply Won't you ride with me till the end of time Let me ride for you, let me be your world If I die for you, would you heal my world? Let me slide on you, baby, let me slide You and I, mama, see you, you and I Let me ride for you, let me be your world If I die for you, would you heal my world? Let me slide on you, baby, let me slide You and I, mama, see the you and I you the wreck up the place, fuck up the place You the boss up the place, switch up the place Baby, no other way Baby, no other way You the wreck up the place, fuck up the place
up the place, shoot that boss up the place. Switch up the pace, baby, no, I do it. Baby, no, I do it. Jonathan Ings and Matthew Lewitz and our research assistant Al Clapper catch you on the flip side.